You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Welcome to The Pivot Point, where we talk about all things pivot, all things business, and all things Vegas. I'm your host, Bardia. Let's get the ball rolling. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of The Pivot Point. Very special one today because I have with me my very special guest, who's actually the director of my program, uh, the EMBA program at UNLV, Nadine Bentis. Pleasure to have you today. Thank you so much, Bardia. Now, I want to talk a little bit about your career history, very impressive career history in admissions. So tell us a little bit about your story. So this is actually my 20th year in higher education. Prior to coming to UNLV in 2018, I actually worked at the University of Southern California, Fight on Go Trojans, for 15 years. I actually started my higher education career with a really funny story, actually. Um, when I was an undergrad, I went to University of California, Irvine. I actually did not have a good experience with my admissions, my counselor in the program. They just like signed my documents, and I, I got myself through the four years. But I feel like they could have provided me so many more opportunities of like opening up my eyes, maybe study abroad, doing a project, your undergraduate research project. But they didn't provide that. They just kind of just did their job, signed off, and I graduated in four years. But I felt like there's so much more I could have done if I knew about the opportunities in the in higher education there. So I actually decided after a year, I took a year break. I thought I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. I volunteered at a kindergarten, loved the students, thought they were so cute. But I'm like, I don't think I can do this for the rest of my life. So I decided actually to study higher education administration. This is back in 2002. And it's been my career ever since. So I actually started because I actually didn't have a good experience. And I wanted to provide yeah. opportunities for our students. So that started my career in higher education. So one thing I really appreciate in my career is I started from the bottom. So my first job was a student worker when I was doing my master's program. So I was able to, my trajectory started as a student worker, work up to a grad assistant, work up to an advisor, associate director, director. And now I'm now director of executive education here at the Lee Business School. I think it's really fortuitous for me that I've seen all levels. So I know the impact everyone can have. So I appreciate everyone who does any role in higher education because I've done that all levels to get to where I am. Yes. Well, in a way, college students and master's students can be kindergartners at times. You know? <laughs> so, but uh, I think that's amazing how your story has led you to, the, to where you are now. And I think that just being here with me is, is amazing because it's a testament to what you just said. Like you're making those relationships with those students that you actually recruit and admit. Um, and I think that your guidance during the first couple of weeks of our executive MBA program was just so critical to us forming bonds as a cohort and truly as like friends and like, like almost like a family that you've created here um, from all different types of backgrounds. So what values were important to you or continue to be important to you when creating these cohorts? I think the first thing is being a continual learner. People who want to come to our program, I want them to understand those MBA programs, executive MBA program. It's not just to be a check mark to be the next step of going to the next position. Our program is really to get to people who want to learn about business skill sets, mind the mindset, 
and also to learn about the Las Vegas community in Southern Nevada, what industries are out there. Because our students may want to increase or change their job in their field, but at the same time, they want they may want to start something completely different. They may come in as corporate and become an entrepreneur in our program. So I want them to be an open, continual learner and also being open to all the different concepts. So I think that type of student, that mindset is beneficial to having that in the cohort. And also I look at each student individually. When I speak to them and through the submissions process, I get to know each student individually. We talk throughout the process and I can discuss with them. We have more conversations. I really get to know them. So as I build the cohort, I can see the, the different personalities. And I don't think it has to be, everyone has to be this, like I need this many personalities, type A, these type of, I just want to make sure that they're open to learning, open to all communities, open to just being open. And I think that would just bridge the cohort together. Exactly. So you already touched on a little bit, but about unity in the teams mm -hmm. that you build here. Mm -hmm. So how would you also, I suppose, foster unity in teams that you, you you people that you haven't even met yet? I would say foster, I don't think, I've, I, I, don't think I do it. I think mm -hmm. they do it. Mm -hmm. right. I think with the people we, that we recruit, the people we bring into the program, we kind of defer to the student to kind of bring that together and bring that unity together and be open to one another. And I think that the first course that we're taking, we're very purposeful in the courses that you take. The first one you take is about team leadership and effectiveness. We think that's the most important to start off because you are going to take this journey for the next 18 months with your cohort members. So you have to learn the skill sets and communication skills to work with that team because it won't always be unity. There'll be times yes. that you're like, why doesn't so-and-so do this? Or why is that, you know, why is this happening? So we want you to be able to build on that community, build on that unity, and learn the skills to cope in case things aren't going perfectly yeah. well in the program. So yeah. you also want to have that as well. You really learn how to lean on each other, I exactly. think, through the classes that you take. And um, I think that's so cool because you have to take all this into account when structuring a program. Mm -hmm. How has that changed how you look at program development? I think the most important thing to do, because I think with, of course, when you take an MBA program, executive MBA program, people are looking for particular courses, right? They're looking for stats or accounting or finance management or marketing and different things. But before all that can happen, that content knowledge has to be done. In our program particularly, you need to be able to work in a team. So even when we start this program and the missions process, I think I always try to overstate the importance of teamwork because that's something that's really important to our program, and that's something you cannot avoid in this program. If you don't like teamwork, then our program is not designed for you. Right. We, but we say it's really important to be in a team because it replicates the business environment. And other programs may have different mindsets, but we think that's really important. So we stress that throughout the admissions process and throughout the program. And then also we start the, we start the cohort with a team effectiveness class because we understand how important that is. Because you don't have that team, then you won't... I think the success of the cohort is kind of in jeopardy if you don't do that. Yes, yes. And I, I, I presume that a lot of the inspiration behind it came from the fact that you had maybe a lacking experience in the admissions process yourself. So I think that's really cool how you sort of made it how you want to see it. You had a vision mm -hmm. and you wanted to put something into the world that you thought wasn't there. So I think that's really admirable in how you made the program. I hope in the future I can actually do more teamwork. I go, what we do now, I think it's good at the beginning and then the end. But I think there also should be, there should be some midpoint kind of. So I'm actually working right now on a new program with the former executive director who's now a, a coach and having team building between the, in the middle of the program just to make sure that, you know, we're checking in 
and you're in the middle of your coursework, but teamwork and unity between the cohort is really important. So we do that check-in points. Yes. I want to touch on um, a recent article I saw where you talked about terms that I thought were interesting. Conscious capitalism and philanthropy. What does that mean to you? And how is it any different from any definitions that we already know of these terms? I think the conscious capitalism is really important to me just because in regards to before being in this role, I was in the entrepreneurship center and I learned a lot. Of, and then before that, I was in the, a master of science in social entrepreneurship at USC. And I think I, I used to see capitalism and consciousness kind of as a separate entities. But now I feel that they can have a huge bearing on one, one versus the other. So people should be mindful of that. Everything that you do, every purchase that you make can have a benefit outside of that initial product. So I always want people to understand that, that every decision that they make can have an influence on a different community, the environment. So that's something that I, I wasn't really aware of until I thought about it in my, the past few years based on my past roles that I've had. Yes, yes, exactly. And a little bit about the impact part. What impact do you hope to have on UNLV and the Las Vegas community? I hope to have a great one in many different ways. One thing that I really enjoy about UNLV and being in this role, because people are like, oh, why did you change from USC to UNLV? And I, one thing I really enjoy about UNLV is their openness to try things. So when I was in the Trosh Center, I noticed a need. I just looked at just be interacting with the students that there was a need for professional clothing that students, unfortunately, due to financial implications, could not afford professional clothing for mm -hmm. headshots that we were providing. So I was thinking, so I was listening to podcasts and someone said that they had heard of an organization that provided to women free clothing and coaching for women entering the workforce, re-entering the workforce. So I was thinking, well... We can do that here at UNLV. You know, our mm -hmm. career center provides that coaching and that resume building, but the clothing, we can provide that. So I put the idea out. I talked to our Tro Center donor, and they agreed that we could take a closet that we had, and re I, re I re had it redone that looks like a professional closet. Mm -hmm. And then I asked for donations from the school, and I got more than I could even imagine, and I still get them. And our donor has agreed that I can use a funding to dry clean them. So it's, it's, it's a constant 24-hour free closet that people can just walk into and take. And that was something that just because I thought it was a need, yeah. my, my, my director's like, if you, if you want to do it, do it. And I said, okay. So that's been something that has been really impactful and been makes me so happy. And I just wanted to do it just to see. It wasn't in my role or anything like that. Because one thing I've, I've done, noticed in my career path is that I like to try things and I yes. try to say yes to do a lot of things, even if I don't know if I'm the most qualified or I'm kind of questioning myself. I still say yes, even though, because mm -hmm. it makes you grow. It makes you grow. And if it failed, my closet had failed, it had failed, but at least I tried it, but it's been doing really well. And actually other schools now donate, like donors from other schools, like law school donated to the closet. So I always, my always mantra for anyone is just try. Yeah. Yes. You fail, you fail. But if you never try, you didn't ever. No. Something I always would say to someone coming to UNLV or just anybody who asks me is to always try to see these opportunities. Always say yes to it. And if you, especially if you think it's fun. Mm -hmm. Like I never thought podcasting would be fun, but yet here I am. And having just so such an exciting and reaching experience at UNLV. Um, but I would, I would, and it really doesn't matter at the end of the day because I think it's just, such a great experience. You never know what's going to happen is what I'm trying to say. You never know who, who you're going to meet, especially that one person who could just change your life. And you never know whose lives you're going to touch or who you're going to inspire. 
So that's amazing. Um, I want to touch on the Trosh Center because mm-hmm. something that that's that's also something that I didn't really hear of until recently, um, and something that I recently said yes to was this new boot camp mm-hmm. I heard about the Trosh Center, or maybe it's that startup tree. I'm not 100 mm-hmm. percent sure, but there is a three week uh, boot camp for entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, experience necessary. Starting in September, so I encourage everyone who's listening, you can also check that out at um, unlv.startuptree.co. Uh, but tell us a little bit about the Trosh Center. So actually, the boot camp I created about two years ago. And the reason I created that, and so just giving back some background, let me step back a bit. So the Trosh Center for Entrepreneurial Innovation is open to all UNLV students, grad, undergrad, all majors. It's housed at the business school, but it's open for everyone. So a common misconception is, it's only for business students, but that's where we happen to live in the home, but it's open for everyone. So we offer all types of programming, co-curricular, and we also offer a major and a minor in entrepreneurship. But if you have any idea if you want to start a business, go to the Trosh Center. But the boot camp is really for people who want to understand what is an entrepreneur? What does that even mean? Because I think some people, when they think of entrepreneur, they think they have to do a Fortune 500 company, which they then will make into a million dollars and sell it. Right. But then entrepreneur can be that you have a side hustle that you're doing on your own. You get you can be an entrepreneur in that way too. So the boot camp is really like a three-step process on really acclimating you to what is entrepreneurship and then also building steps on how to develop a business plan, which is something very fundamental, as well as how to pitch yourself. So we have a workshop that's like basically how, if you're in an elevator with someone, you have 30 seconds, how do you pitch yourself? And that's applicable to everyone. You could be in an interview with someone. You could happen to be in an elevator and you notice someone that you have wanted to talk to. How do you have that 30-second pitch ready in your pocket? So we've created this boot camp series. We offer it every fall and spring, sometimes multiple times depending on the need for anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur, small business developer, or just have an idea and they want to see where it goes. We actually have a competition in the fall. It's called Ideas Competition. And we do provide funding. We are sponsored by the Blackstone Launchpad, which is a national organization. And we get a grant from them. So first place is $3,000, second place is $1,500, third place is $500, just for an idea. You would, we do not check if you, a year from now, if you've launched that idea. May, some people do, some people may not. But it's an idea, and everyone has ideas, but you you will get funding for this idea. Why not try it? Absolutely. That sounds like an amazing competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that um, all those sound like really cool things going on. Are there any other interesting developments happening at Trosh? I would say at Trosh, we are always bringing guest speakers. So also to be something mindful is, to all students or to anyone listening to this is you never know who you're going to meet. And Las Vegas is very unique in that it's a big, small city. So one thing I love about Las Vegas versus living in Los Angeles is I have so many more opportunities here of meeting different individuals. Like if you had told me a few years ago I, I'd be able to meet the president of the Raiders, I'd be like, that will never happen. But I've actually met her on certain occasions and many different events. That's awesome. Because you just have to be open to trying new things or meeting with new groups. And you get that opportunity here. I feel like Nevada, in a way, is like six degrees of separation. You'll find someone who knows someone who can connect you to it. Um, so that's one thing I really enjoy about um, that. So we're bringing a lot of guest speakers. So try to come to those events. If you Again, if you th- even if you think you don't have the, the idea to full fruition, apply for these competitions in these programs. Take the time. It only takes about half an hour, an hour. Make sure you do those type of things in the church center. Yeah. So I actually have an interesting question for you. A um, little on the harder side, but I think you can handle it. Okay. So 
in, for example, this competition mm-hmm. where you're thinking creatively, taking risks, and um, thinking about something that may or may not work. Mm-hmm. It's a scary, it's a scary mm-hmm. thing, especially I think in my perspective, that seems pretty scary. How do you manage thinking out of the box to make something that could potentially be really, really cool, but then how do you manage potentially failing or making mistakes? I see the first thing to realize is that everybody fails. Even companies that are wildly successful now, they probably failed numerous times ahead of time and they then had the one idea that worked. But so I don't think you should ever be afraid of failure. You learn from failure. So even if you fail at something, either be a bad grade or idea, business idea doesn't work, you will learn from that and you'll carry that to with you next time. So I think failure actually is not really a bad thing. I think you can learn from it. Yeah, it does some, hurt the ego or maybe sometimes it makes you question, should I do this again? But how would you know if you never tried it? Because for me, the worst idea is I could have done that or maybe I should have tried that. I'd rather have tried it and failed at it or learn, and as I learned something and then take that skill set and also know that everyone you admire, everyone you know you want to learn about, listen to podcasts about them mm-hmm. and you'll hear a thousand failure stories before they hit the one big idea. Yes. Imagine thinking like, oh, I should have done that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to look, look back and say that I should have or mm-hmm. I had regrets. And I wanted to, and if you want to be the, if you see something that's like, so you're passionate about and it's no one's doing it, like, I think that's a really cool opportunity for you and you should absolutely go for it. Um, now, something that I kind of want to touch on uh, kind of relates to being more of an admissions director. Mm-hmm. And the rise of AI and technology. You've probably heard of ChatGPT. Yes. So uh, recently, ChatGPT has passed Wharton MBA exams, law school exams, and the three-part USMLE. Um, Many are postulating that the potential of AI to upend many careers, yet others assert there are complex matters that require the expertise of judgment of humans. Has AI played a role in your career or has it affected you as an admissions director? So as of now, it has not. Um, I am. I believe in the uniqueness of each individual. So when I read a purpose, when I read a statement of purpose, I believe it is the reflection of that person. I don't know if Chat GBT, because I haven't utilized it as much, can replicate the feelings. You know, if you feed it a resume, will it? I think the human aspect would be missing the vulnerability. Because when we talk, we read our student missions essay. They tell us sometimes things I feel like wouldn't be intuitive for an AI machine to do. Could be like, that's not perfect. That's a flaw. But to me, that makes them human. So it has not been something that we have utilized. The university as a whole in higher education, I think, is still grappling with ChatGPT and how it can be utilized. You know, some have used it in social media to be like, create a post on this with your recommendation to get ideas, but they don't solely rely on it. And to me, I feel with admissions and the human touch and speaking with individuals and building a program like this, ChatGPT couldn't really capture that in understanding the human complexities and building a team that I think is required for this program. So I don't, I'm I'm not against it. Mm -hmm. I'm not for, but I'm not for it because I feel like then it makes, yeah, it could be that it replaces me one day. I hope not. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like the human aspect of our program with the team unity discussed and having this formulation of a strong team, I don't know if AI could capture that. Yes. I just want to go on record, everyone as my witness, um, to know that I did not use ChatGPT when writing my admissions <laughs> yes. essay. Um, but yeah, where do you think it fits in the academic or entrepreneur- entrepreneurial lifestyle? 
I think it can help you. I think you. I think I don't think it's something that you should turn away. But it can be a motivation, or it can help you for the sake of a mind block, or you have an idea, and you want to kind of understand the be the research aspect of it, right? So let's say I want to create this product. Ask ChatGPT, does it exist? Maybe it can kind of help you that way, or maybe you're thinking about an upcoming project or company. It can help you guide you that way. So use it as something to help you to supplement you, but not to replace you. Absolutely. So what's um, an important piece of advice that you would give to someone listening interested in joining the EMBA program or the MBA program or any of these awesome programs at UNLV? What would you tell a prospective business student? I would tell prospective students, first, don't be afraid, right? If you feel like, I haven't been in school for 10 years or I haven't been in school for X amount of years, am I ready to go back? I don't think you're ever ready for anything. I feel like sometimes... You know, you feel you're ready for the next step. No, but you should still try it because at the same time, if you don't do it, then you don't know what you've been missing out on. So the first thing is there's never a right time to do any program, EMBA, bachelor's, whatever you're thinking of, even continuing education. If you want to learn something, try it. Never feel you have to meet a certain criteria, a certain number to get into it. Just reach out, talk to the individuals, talk to admissions counselors, advisors, current students, alumni. And really get to understand the program. So I would say one thing is, yes, just try and get that information mm-hmm. and then make an informed decision. But don't let fear or thinking you're not ready yet be that hindrance for you. Yes. And I think I, you don't have to be alone either. There are so many events, mm-hmm. right, held on campus exactly. that, that promote these programs. And also one thing also, even then for current students, like someone like you, Bardia, who's in the program, is I know you're so busy with work-life balance. I don't know if it's even balanced. It's just work life. Exactly. And then, yes, I don't exactly. know. I don't know if I believe in word balance. <laughs> School work, everything that's on your plate. But also don't forget you are a student at this university. So maybe take advantage of all the opportunities available to you too. Going to other events outside of our program, like Brews and Economic Views, or going to an Outlook event, which is also about the Las Vegas economy. Go to a Church Center speaker series. Because you never know who you're going to meet and how that one person maybe could change your life. Yes, there are so many, even student organizations. Yes. And graduate student organizations. Um, something like the RVF was really interesting because they have, we talked about this, I think, on a previous episode, but they're such a cool mm-hmm. organization because they're actually a venture capital firm. Yes. That yeah. uses funds from the university or from donors and can make actual business decisions based on, you know, researching these companies. Yes, I've, I've actually had a really close relationship with RVF in my Troche days. Yes, yeah, so they actually invest, they have... Uh, donor that has given them funds. So they actually invest about $30,000 in these companies. And all the companies have, some of them they've sold and they've gotten their funds back or more so. And then there are some that have completely failed. But that's the purpose of the program. You get real life experience. You work, yes. with, real t- you work with real companies. A lot of the students in RVF actually have gotten internships or jobs with those companies. And then they have to present it to a board. So they actually have to present their findings, a due diligence report to a panel of entrepreneurs and investors in the Vegas Valley, and they vote based on the students' research on investing in these companies or not. And I think it's such an amazing experience that you actually can say, I helped you know find this company and now it's sold. So Circle In is one of them, which is actually mm-hmm. a program that's used in many different universities, Arizona State being one, which is a huge organization because of their partnerships online that use the Circle In um, technology to provide support services to their students. And RVF founded that company years ago. Wow. And they've invested in them. So it's amazing to see that. And there are some that, you know, 
open one year, two years later, they fell apart. But that's yeah. his business environment. And they learned from that. They learned from those experiences too. Yeah. And they were able to invest those funds. And I don't know how many programs you can say that you actually invest in money, met with donors, corporations, and different things, and then saw that company grow and or fail. Right. Not a lot, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. It's it's student-led. Yeah, student-led. Yeah. So it's not coming just from the university. It's coming from the students of the university. And all these, like, like the the power is kind of in their hands. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, the, like, the board so only cool. meets to, to 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 do yay or nay. Mm-hmm. All the reports, all the companies they found, it's all student led. Yeah, absolutely. So, what what excites you the most about the city of Vegas in the next few years? I would say the numerous changes coming, and I feel like also the ability to try new things. And one thing about Vegas is that I feel like if you have an idea. Try it here, in yes. a way. And the university, I think, is the same. So my role, of course, is with executive MBA, but also I'm working on expanding executive education. So I want to be able to provide to communities in Las Vegas like other needs that they have, they might need in business. So I'm trying to ascertain from community. Maybe there's individuals, for example, who want to be an entrepreneur. You know, but going back to four years is not what they want to do. Masters not what they want to do. But they want to do mm-hmm. something that just expose them to the topic, like a boot camp in a way, yeah, yeah. for the community. So I want to really create programming that the community needs and wants at the business school. So that's something in addition to the EMBA that I'm working on for individuals who may not hire, full, like traditional hiring may not be the route to go, mm-hmm. but they want to expand their knowledge base. Wow. So where do you get feedback for that? Where do you meeting with organizations, like uh-huh. meeting with big companies. Like for example, I know MGM and Caesars, for example, have professional development that they want to provide to their staff members. So what what are those kind of things? You know, a lot of them want to learn about business, but again, they don't have the time to come back to their business degree. So what do they need? And we can customize that for them. So going to companies, sometimes people have reached out to me and say, I'm creating this board. I want a board training. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, what do you want? What do you need? So I see people coming to me and or going to big companies and in different organizations to figure out what their needs are and building from there. Yeah, that sounds like a great plan. So what's next for you in the next five to 10 years? I wish I could answer that question. Actually, it's very poignant that you asked me that question because when I interviewed here at UNLV in 2018, I actually had a surprise interview and the dean was actually added to my panel of interviewers. He asked me that. He's like, where do you see yourself in five years? And I told him, I didn't know because when I was in my master's program, they asked you to write what's your 10-year plan. And my 10-year plan was to be a director of a program. Mm -hmm. And actually, I got to attain that at USC so I was like, oh, is my career over? Does that mean my career is done? Because I reached my goal and I hadn't right. thought about that. So at the same time, I'm open to any, I'm open and willing to try different things. So in this pro, in this role, I really enjoy it because of course I love working with EMBA students, but working with the community is something also I really value. So to me, the sky's the limit, like the closet was something I just created. So what more impact that can I have? So I, I'm ha- very happy in my role, but also I'm also thinking about ways we can improve working with the community, working with so many different stu- groups of students, what else I can do for the MBA program. So I'm always looking for continual ways for improvement and how I can help others. Same. I think I, I, I also wouldn't know really what to say. Mm-hmm. There's really so much going on and you never know what you're going to discover. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, when this program um, is culminated in next December mm-hmm. um, and we do the international trip, yeah. that might influence everything entirely. Exactly. Um, I was always thinking health administration, um, maybe I could be a startup consultant. I don't know really what to do, but I have. Um, but I just want to start doing more mm-hmm. now that I'm in this program, um, just to learn more about myself. 
to be honest. So just a fun question for you. Mm -hmm. If you were in the EMBA cohort mm -hmm. uh, this year, where would you go for the international trip? So I actually saw, um, so two. One is, one region that I, in my previous work at USC, I had, I had the opportunity actually to go to um, the United Arab Emirates. Um, so I was in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. And I hadn't ever to that region before. So that's one area that I feel like has so much potential for growth and to see it, it's like a whole other world. So that would be one place I would recommend to the cohort. That's my number one. Yes. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> yes. So that's one re area um, I would recommend. And then it's also so multinational that you see so many different cultures. Um, that would be one. I know the students have said Japan. Japan would be interesting to me because I've been all over Asia except for Japan. I've been to Okinawa, but never to like Tokyo. I think that'd be interesting. Um, so that would be one. And I would say also maybe uh, South America. Maybe like Uruguay. Um, I have not explored South America as much. So I think it'd be interesting to go to um, somewhere in South America. I've been to Brazil, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. So where else would we want to visit? But maybe that's something. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I really appreciate your time. I would have loved to continue this for another couple hours, to be honest. I think you have a wealth of information. And um, you've been an awesome admissions director and um, just mentor for us on the program. So uh, if you want to know more about the EMBA program, you can go to unlv.edu slash EMBA. Uh, but thank you, Nadine, for being here today. Thanks so much for having me, Bardia. Thank you all for listening to The Pivot Point. You can follow us at Pivot Point UNLV on Twitter, all one word, and hope you enjoyed the show.